Hello, dear friend. Thank you for joining me in this mini update. This is our third and our last. We will get back into our regular episodes next week. The first mini update was about an announcement. I pretty much announced that I needed to take some time away because of the loss in the family. The second one was about my aunt. I had a little tribute um, to her and shared a little bit about her life and how she was as a person and how I have been dealing with the loss. And today I'd like for us to discuss a little bit um, how to deal with grief or how to recognize the stages of grief. A year ago, I attended a five days women conference that offered many different sessions. While I initially hesitated to attend the session um, they were offering on grief, I humbled myself and attended it. My interest was perked because although at that particular time I had not lost a loved one, a few months prior, a friendship I had treasured had been abruptly severed. While I will not go into details as to what happened for that friendship to come to an end, I will say that I was deeply hurt and went through a dark tunnel in which I experienced a range of emotions. Through this brief session, I'd like to share the common five stages of grief that were shared in that particular session I attended at that conference. The one thing that I'd like to definitely say is that we all experience grief, and if we haven't yet, we will in the future. Grief is part of our life journey. We not only experience loss when a loved one or a friend passes away, but we also experience loss when we have some relationships that are severed. Understanding the stages of grief can not only help you understand what you're going through or will go through if you haven't gone through grief yet, but also helps you walk alongside a friend or a family member who is going through grief in a spirit of compassion, empathy, and understanding. When do people grieve? People grieve for various reasons, but if we were to sum it up, people grieve unexpected changes. People grieve the death of loved ones, of friends, of pets. People grieve whenever they, um, their health changes or the health of a loved one or of, of a close friend. People grieve whenever they lose their job whenever they have to go from working for uh, many years, they work 10, 20, 30 years, and then suddenly they have to retire. They grieve what they used to know. People grieve whenever they separate, divorce, or whenever there is some type of change within a friendship. These are just a few examples of the most common um, things that people grieve 
So the first thing I'd like to acknowledge before we talk about the different stages of grief is that this is not the standard. I know that there is other ways that people define grief and there might be different stages that they um, have discovered and it's quite all right. I'm just glad that I can share with you what I learned in that conference uh, where they talked about grief and acknowledge that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, uh, a Swiss-American psychiatrist, actually created the theory of the five stages of grief and loss. In her 1969 book entitled On Death and Dying, she examines the five most common emotional reactions to loss and as we go through these stages, I hope that it helps you see a little bit what you've gone through and understand um, grief a little better. The first stage of grief is denial. In this stage, the individual believes that there must be a mistake to the diagnosis that they've just been given. No, that, that can't be. My aunt, my uncle, my mother, my sister doesn't just have two days to live. You know, there is this initial shock. This is the stage where the person clings to a false reality, almost like not wanting to let go. An example of this can be if you just receive the news that someone just have a few days to live, but you might try to convince yourself that it is all a mistake or not believe the diagnosis at all. This is what I immediately fantasized about when I did receive the news that my aunt was going to pass away uh, within a few days and I just couldn't accept it. If you've gone through a breakup as well, um, it, it's hard to believe that the person is breaking up with you. And in your mind, you keep fantasizing, imagining that the relationship is going to be mended. Surely he's going to call. She's going to call. Surely she's going to apologize. He's going to apologize and say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. But that's not how it happens. This is called denial. And this is the first stage of grief. The second stage is anger. In this stage, the individual recognizes that they can no longer live in denial. And so they've accepted the situation but there are feelings of frustration and um, the reality of loss is settling in and the person is actually transitioning to anger. And this is the stage where they ask the question, why? Why did this happen to me? Why, um, why couldn't I have gone this way or that way? Why, why, why? Who can be the target of that anger? Number one, oftentimes we can be angry with ourselves. 
because we feel we didn't do enough to prevent this person from breaking up with us or we didn't do enough to prevent that person from passing away. In other instances, we can be angry with ourselves getting fired. So we blame ourselves. Number two, we can be angry with the person who inflicted harm to the person who eventually passed away. Or in the event of the case of someone who ended a relationship, since we feel that harm was caused to our person, to, to ourselves, we can get angry with the person who decided to sever the relationship with us or with the person who decided to fire us. Number three, another person that can be a target of our anger are the medical care professionals, such as the paramedics, the nurses, the doctors. We might have that tape that keeps rolling in our mind that they didn't do enough to save our loved one. Number four, other people who might be target of our anger are our loved ones. We might not have anything in particular against them in terms of blame, but we easily get irritated. We get upset at them. And so they get the brunt of our anger. Number five, sometimes the deceased can be the target of our anger. As surprising as it might be, our anger can be directed at the deceased, whom we blamed for not having taken care of themselves properly to prevent that illness which led to death, or, you know, we simply blame them for leaving us too soon. Number six, God can also be the target of our anger. Oftentimes than not, some people do blame God for having taken away their loved ones. And they do not understand how a loving God can allow so much suffering and allow their loved ones to die. The third stage is bargaining. In this stage, we wonder what we can do, while the person is still alive, that is, to bargain for their survival. Or after the person has passed on, we wonder what we could have done to have prevented their death. This is the stage in which we are willing to do anything that is possible to return to how life was before the loss. While the person is still alive, while they are ill, for instance, we bargain with ourselves or with God. With ourselves, we irrationally think that a change in our behavior might change the health condition of the person or that if we do well in school, for instance, um, so-and-so will remain alive or they will come back. If I stop drinking, they might come back. With God, we make promises that if indeed on his end of the bargain, he keeps the person alive, we will do such and such. For instance, we bargain that we will go to church more often or we will help the less fortunate. This is the stage of the bargaining. The fourth stage is depression. This is the stage that is the most difficult for many. For some, depression might be a short period of time, and for others, a long one. But it is most difficult to come out of. In this stage, uh, the reality finally hits that 
that broken relationship is indeed irreversibly severed. And this is also the stage in which I realize that my deceased loved one has passed on and will not return. It is a dark, painful place. Um, depression is not only dark, but it is painful. It is a painful time of deep sadness. And I know that and I feel that even as I say it, because I've gone through it before. You know, during that period of time, you feel exhausted. You have no desire to do anything or to talk to anyone. It is during that time that you come to realize that there is indeed an end to things, an, an end to life. This is the stage where the person will tend to isolate themselves because they feel that no one can understand them. By remaining at home for days, locking themselves in a room, refusing to eat, refusing to shower or go out, and even refusing to respond to phone calls or text messaging. It's a dark place. And sometimes, as I mentioned, it's short. And sometimes, it's long. This is depression, the fourth stage of grief. The fifth stage is acceptance. And in this final stage, they accept the loss. This is a re-entry back to life, if we may say. This is the stage where emotions are much more balanced. It does not mean that everything is perfect, as some situations may trigger waves of emotions, but the person is much more open to engage with friends and family and choose to move forward in their new reality. This is the last stage, acceptance. What are symptoms of grief? It's important to know those so that whenever you go through it, you may understand that you are going through grief or whenever you are helping someone or observing someone from a distance, you might be able to discern that they are going through grief and approach them uh, and try to help them or uh, talk with them. And so I'm going to give you a few of the symptoms and hope that it can help. Number one, we have crying. And I will even add uncontrollable tears. Number two, we have anger. Number three, we have guilt. Number four, we have worry. Number five, you know, we have the person asking a lot of questions about life, about um, the purpose of life, about uh, death, about the afterlife, you know, asking questions about uh, spiritual beliefs. Number six, there is insomnia or the extreme opposite, which is oversleeping. Number seven, loss of appetite. Number eight, aches and pain. Number nine, isolation from uh, friends, family. Number 10, fear of the future. Well, Colette, what are we to do while we are going through these different stages of grief? I'm not an expert, but I'd like to offer three little pieces of advice. 
first understand each of these stages that I just shared. Number two, determine which stage you're in in your grief. This will help you understand your behavior and emotions. Number three, call on God and ask Him to comfort you in your grief. Certainly, you might be so angry at God that you might not want to speak to God. You might not even believe in His, in his existence, or you might find it best to be left alone. Since we are all free to make decisions for ourselves, I will respect your decision, but if you are open to pray to God, to open your heart, express your fears, your anger, your frustration, and be open to receive his comforting touch. Call on him. He does comfort. I remember some years ago when I was going through my own time of grief, I was in the deep pit of depression. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night one night with my heart still in little pieces, sobbing. And all I could cry out to God was, God, help me. I couldn't say anything else. I, I just had no words. I was just so broken. Broken is not even the word. I think I was crushed to powder. I, I just, um, it, it, was, it was a painful place. And listen to me very carefully. What I'm about to tell you is real. As soon as I called to God, all I said again is, God, help me. I immediately felt a presence in my room and a warm hand was rubbing my head all the way to my back several times. You know, this was like the embrace of a mother whenever you have a nightmare in the middle of the night and you call on your mom and she comes and she grabs you, she holds you and she caresses you. This is what I felt. This is not my imagination. It was just such a sweet moment. That presence I cannot explain. But I remember in that moment knowing that God had heard me, that God had invaded my room, had filled it. And till this day, I believe the Holy Spirit of God was calming me down and comforting me. Within my spirit, I sensed a divine presence and the comforting hand of God putting me back to sleep. It was one of the most difficult nights for me in terms of pain, but one of the most comforting nights of my life. God understands our hearts and our pains. Anger is an emotion that we human beings feel when we feel that an injustice has occurred 
And when we feel those emotions of anger, frustration, anxiety, fear, guilt, shame, whatever that emotion is, God is not bothered in our asking him questions and questioning him and confessing to him what we feel. God is well acquainted with what we think and feel, but rest assured that God is readily available to comfort our souls because we are promised in Psalms chapter 34 verse 18, which says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. My friend, I want to thank you once again for having given me the time to grieve when I initially made an announcement that I needed some time away. I remember saying that I needed a couple weeks and I actually needed more than a couple weeks. And I appreciate you being gracious and allowing me to take some time away to, to grieve, to reflect on my aunt's life, on my life, and taking time to pause and reflect and come to a place of acceptance. And so with that, uh, I, I want to say again, thank you so very much. Next week, we are going to continue our episodes of the Mighty Warriors podcast. And I look forward to sharing with you what the Lord continues to teach me. My goal continues to be the same. I want to inspire and encourage you to experience a deeper intimacy with God and to be transformed by His Word in your everyday life. And so join me next week. And with that, I will say, Goodbye, my friend. Bye now.